0: Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen.
1: I know my Redeemer lives. I know my Redeemer lives. I said, I know! my Redeemer lives. Come on, can you worship Him, honor Him, glorify Him, magnify Him? I know my Redeemer lives. Listen, there's one truth that never escaped me. Couldn't get away from it. Even when I wasn't living for Christ, I knew one thing. I knew that He rose again from the dead. I want you to say, I know, I know my Redeemer lives. Let me tell you something, it's a sad thing when we celebrate the resurrection one Sunday a year. It's a sad thing when we come out to honor him one Sunday a year. I've come to tell you this morning, it isn't about one Sunday, it's about every day of your life, every second of that day, every moment, good or bad, you can have the knowledge that will carry you through that my Redeemer lives. Hallelujah. Oh, that's great news for you and I today. We should be shouting. We should be rejoicing. No one should have to prime our pump because we know our Redeemer lives. Hallelujah. I'm so glad to be back with you this morning. It's been a long two weeks, but I'm glad I'm here. Think I've got a word from the throne for you today. Take your Bibles, turn to Luke 24. Just leave them open. I don't know what it is about it, but I just love to have a Bible. I've got it on my phone. I've got it on my iPad. But there's something about word on paper that does something for me. I can underline it. I can highlight it. I can write notes in the margin. And I can say, I know my Redeemer lives. Amen? Amen. I know my Redeemer lives. You see, what I want you to understand this morning is that the resurrection is the hinge upon which every part of the gospel opens to you. Without the resurrection, Christianity is no different than any other religion in this world. Without the resurrection, there is no hope for beyond this life. That's why Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 19 and 20. If we have hope in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most miserable. But now Christ is risen from the dead. He's risen from, that's what Paul wrote. I believe it. I rejoice in it. The difference between Christianity and every other religion in the world is that the one we serve, the Savior we glorify, the one that forgives our sins, the one that has transformed our lives, the one that lives with us, walks with us, talks with us, the one that is a friend that sits closer than a brother, the one that never leaves us nor forsakes us, the one who is the great I am, the one who is the lion of the tribe, oh somebody, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the one who is the king of kings and the Lord of Lords. He isn't buried in Jerusalem, but on the third day, the stone rolled away. And I've come to tell you this morning, my Redeemer lives. Hallelujah. There is no better news in the history of the world than the news the angel said to Mary. He is not here. He is risen. Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here. He's risen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm so glad the scripture tells us very clearly. He's not here, he's risen. I can take you, well I can't, they won't let me go. But you can find the tomb of Muhammad. You can find the burial place of Buddha. You can find the grave of Confucius. But I've come to tell you this morning, when you make the trip to Jerusalem and you walk into the garden, and you peer into an empty tomb, something happens in you and you've got to say, no matter what, my redeemer lives. My redeemer lives. I've come to tell you this morning if no resurrection, then there's no redemption for you and I. If there's no resurrection, there's no hope for you and I today, tomorrow and eternally. If there's no resurrection, there is no power to bring transformation into your life and to mine. But Paul wrote it this way in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, when he said, If the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Then that same spirit will quicken your mortal bodies. Oh, come on somebody. When you're sick, he's alive. When you're down, he's alive. When you're depressed, he's alive. When you're broke, he's alive. When you're in turmoil, he's alive. When you don't know which way to turn, he's alive. When you're addicted, he's alive. When you're bound, he's alive. When you don't know what to say or who to turn to, he is still alive. I've come to tell you my Redeemer lives. I was thinking this last week about all those great hymns that have been written about the resurrection. Maybe my favorite is, and I'm not going to sing it, so relax. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. He arose the victor over the dark domain and he lives forever with his saints to reign. Or how about one that says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, I have hope for today. Or how about Christ the Lord is risen today. Think about the great theology and inspiration that is in those songs so that we know Jesus Christ is alive. Without the resurrection, you and I have no hope. Without the resurrection, you and I have no future. Without the resurrection, we don't know what eternity holds. Think about the scripture today that we're going to read parts of in just a moment. It's talking about two disciples who'd followed Jesus. But on that Sunday morning, they had given up. Their dreams were dashed. Their hopes were gone. Their plans were thwarted. Jesus was dead. He was dead. So they said, We're going to go home. And they begin the seven mile journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And as we read this scripture today, you're going to see that the resurrection revives not only Jesus Christ, but it revives hope, it revives dreams. It revives the plan of God. It revives the anointing of God in and over your life. When you understand He is not dead, He is risen. Look at verses 13 and 14 with me of Luke chapter 24. Now, behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. I can almost see them, can't you? I don't know how long to follow Jesus. The Bible doesn't tell us. I don't know if they spent the entire three and a half years with him while he was in ministry. Or maybe it was just the last few months. But I know they had such high hopes for what he was going to do. Such plans, such dreams that would be fulfilled through Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, taking command and ruling over Israel. You can almost see him. They've given up. They're walking down the road to Emmaus. There's not a spring in their step. They just need to get home. I think they're probably dragging their feet. I think they're probably walking with their heads down. I think they're probably talking in somewhat hushed tones between each other. About everything that's happened. And it didn't turn out like everyone thought it would turn out. And now the dream's gone. Stop and think for just a moment of all the words in the English language that begin with D. Disappointment, disillusionment, doubt, defeat, despair, death. Very negative words that we don't want to deal with. That's what they're carrying as they walk down the road to Omus. They're experiencing every one of those emotions. And think with me, just a week before, seven days prior, well, there was no thought of those words. It was celebration. It was rejoicing. It was Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. As they walked into Jerusalem with their Messiah, people laying palm fronds on the ground and their clothes on the ground in front of him as he came in on that donkey. They were so excited, they knew it was going to happen this time, that this was God's appointed one to deliver them from Roman rule. And they were so excited, but seven days later, crushed, disappointed, filled with doubt and disillusionment, despair, defeated all by his death, all by his death. So here they are, what else is there left to do? Jesus is dead. They, and they know life has to go on, so let's go home. Let's start over. Let's pick up our professions that we abandoned to follow him. And let's do what we can do. They knew the reports of Christ's tomb. You can read it in our text, and we'll read it in just a minute, of the tomb being empty. But they summed up the situation in their hearts and minds when they said, we thought. He was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And now that hope is gone. Have you ever been there? Have you ever experienced that place in your life where hope was gone? You couldn't see beyond the moment. You couldn't believe things would ever get better. You thought this was your permanent situation for the rest of your life. Have you ever experienced that? There was no way out. No matter what you tried, there was nothing you can do to change that situation. So often I've seen that look of hopelessness hopelessness in people's eyes. Cancer spread too far. There's no hope. Nothing more the doctors can do, I'm gonna die. My spouse left me and you can fill in the blank for the reason why. I've tried so hard to give it up and to break this addiction and this habit. I just can't do it. I'm not smart enough to do what I really want to do. I hate my job, but I have no options, no way out. I need the money, I have to support my family, and I can't do anything else anyway. Have you ever heard someone or maybe even yourself saying words just like those? If so, then you can identify with the disciples on the road to Emmaus. You can understand what they were feeling, what they were going through. They were hopeless. Hopelessness is really hard to cure. So the Bible says that they said, We had hoped. We had hoped. We had hoped. Have you ever said that? I had hoped. I had hoped. I had hoped things would turn out differently. But here we are. And now I have to face the fact life goes on. I can't change my situation. So I might as well move forward. But can I tell you this morning, that's not the full story of this passage. It doesn't end in disappointment, disillusionment, despair, defeat and death. In this passage, we see there is yet hope. So that tells me in our life, when we're in those positions, there is yet hope. Keep hope alive. Believe for what God has promised in your life. When God speaks a word into you, When he tells you this is going to occur, when God anoints you, when God strengthens you, when God positions you, when God begins to use you and then something falls apart, oh come on church don't give up on him, don't give up on his plan, don't say I guess it's not going to happen, I had hoped but it didn't turn out the way I thought, today it's time to declare, I'm going to hope again, I'm going to dream again I'm going to live again, I'm going to pursue again because my My Redeemer lives. My Redeemer lives. Look at the scripture. Verses 15 through 24. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained. Several translations says God kept them from knowing who he was. Verse 17, and he said to them, what kind of a conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? There you go, heads down, feet shuffling, talking in hushed tones. Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? Have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who is a mighty prophet in deed and word before God and all the people. And now the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. Verse 21. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today's the third day since these things happened. Now listen to me. That statement tells you they had heard part of what Jesus had said, but they didn't fully understand his word and the things he had spoken to them. They knew he should have risen on the third day, but here it is the third day and nothing in their minds had happened. Verse 22, yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying they'd also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us, he's talking about Peter and John, went to the tomb and found it just as the woman said, but they did not see him. They're walking home. Suddenly a stranger, not only a stranger, but a chatty stranger, joined them on their journey. For some reason, they didn't know him or recognize him. They were grieving a loss in their life. They didn't need a stranger that they didn't know entering that conversation. They didn't need his thoughts, his injections, his interruptions. But what comes next on their journey shocked them, surprised them, and began to change them. Because as he walked with them, he listened to the story, heard their heart, identified with their suffering and their grief, he listened. But after he stopped listening, he began speaking. And what he began speaking wasn't just what's happening in Jerusalem and the gossip that surrounded them. He began speaking the word of the living God. The Bible says he started at Moses and he went through the prophets, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he explained to them from the Old Testament who the Messiah is and what the Messiah would do. He said, don't you understand the Messiah had to suffer. It was a part of what was going to happen in his life. Luke 24, 25 through 27 says, he said to them, oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. What did he do? He begins speaking the Word, and the Word does what? The Word brings faith. The Word does what? The Word builds hope. The Word does what? The Word brings truth. The Word does what? The Word inspires and directs and corrects and encourages. Oh, come on, folks. When you're in that place of hopelessness, you need to shut out the voices around you. Hear the voice of God. Speak the Word of God into and over your life, and watch what happens when you focus on His Word. That's good preaching, whether you like it or not. And then he said, didn't the Christ have to suffer these things? Suffering. I'll pass on that one. I don't want to do suffering. I don't want to identify with suffering. No, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship. Oh, no, no, no. Take that part out. I want to know him in the power of the resurrection. Don't tell me about the fellowship of the sufferings. Don't tell me that if we follow him, we will also suffer with him. Wow, that's contrary to mainstream American gospel. But it's the word of God. Listen, if you're going to follow Jesus, he said, you're going to have some tough times. But be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. Oh, somebody needs to hear and understand this morning that you've been selling God short. Every time there's pain in your life, you back away. Every time you experience disappointment or disillusionment, you ride off the church. Every time things don't go as you planned, you say, well, I must have missed God. But Jesus said, don't you know, the Messiah had to suffer this thing. They thought he was going to come and crush the enemies of Israel, build a mighty army, drive out the Romans, give them freedom and independence one more time. They were an oppressed people ruled by an evil, evil, evil regime. and They wanted to deliver. They thought it was Jesus, but it wasn't. Look at verses 28 and 29. It says, they drew near to the village when they were going, and he indicated he would have gone further. In other words, Jesus was going on down the road. But they invited him in for supper. He would have went on. They didn't have to ask him to come in. They would have went in. He would have went on. They still wouldn't have known who he was and that he was alive. Listen, here's the point. Every day in your life, you have the opportunity to invite him in. You have the opportunity to experience him. But it's your choice. You are the one who has to determine that I will open the door and let him come in. Because if you don't open the door, he's going to keep walking. Oh, come on, somebody hear me. Too many times in that place of discouragement, disillusionment, disappointment, we close the door and we don't allow him in. The only way you're going to get through it is by opening the door. By inviting him in. By allowing him to reveal himself to you. Look at verses 30 and 31. Came to pass as he sat at the table with them. He took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened. They knew him and he vanished from their sight. Something happened when he took that loaf of bread and he broke it. And he gave them some. The hands were different. Not the same hands that broke the bread to feed 5,000 people. Not the same hands that broke the bread to feed 4,000. Not the same hands that broke the bread during the Last Supper. Something was different. Because when he reached out his hand with that bread that had been broken, their eyes were open. What did they see? They saw the nail scars. And suddenly they realized he really is alive. Oh, come on, folks. Today, this isn't just kind of some kind of spiritual magic. I'm telling you, when you see Jesus, when you identify with the fact that he died on the cross for your sins, when you identify with his scars and see them, you know and you understand he carried my sorrows. He buried my sins. He washed away my past. He set me free. He gave me a new name written down in glory. He took me out of the miry clay and put my feet on the rock Oh, somebody, will you praise him today? I know my Redeemer lives. I said, I know my Redeemer lives. Verse 32. They've already realized who he was, and he's gone. And they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road? And he opened the scriptures to us. Did not our heart burn within us? Listen to me, I'm going to step some toes right now. There's a lot of folks in the church who came and they said a little prayer and they thought they were now saved. If you pray in faith, yes. But if you're just receiving, repeating some mantra... There's no faith and there's no power in it. because I've come to tell you, when you really meet Jesus, when you experience the risen Lord, when his power begins to flow through your life, when you recognize my past is gone, my sins are buried, I've been redeemed. When you understand what your savior has done for you, your heart begins to burn. If you've never experienced that, today is your day. Tom, come back. Today is your day. For the heart to burn within you as you experience the living God and he does something in you that's mighty, amazing, miraculous, eternal, otherworldly. He gives you a new heart. He gives you a fresh start. He gives you an open door of access to God oh, come on somebody. When your heart burns within you, they said, did not our heart burn within us? When he opened the scriptures to us, when they begin to understand who he was, what he had done? What did they do? Did they just sit there? No, the Bible says they got up and they headed towards Jerusalem. On the way down, heads down, feet shuffling. On the way back, they were running. They had gotten into the race. Their hearts were burning within them. They received the good news because they seen him and knew he was alive. So they didn't have a leisurely walk back to Jerusalem. I believe those two guys ran as much as they could, as far as they could go to get back as quickly as possible. Why? For one reason. To tell others, Jesus is alive. Let me tell you something, that's your mission too. That's my responsibility too. If you never open your mouth, you've never had your heart burn within you. If you've never shared Christ and what he has done with anyone else, your heart has never burned within you. Because when you have that encounter and you start to burn with fervor and fire and intensity for who he is and what he has done and what he will do, you cannot be silent. Hallelujah. Like Ezekiel, it's like a fire or Jeremiah shut up in my bones, and I cannot be silent because my heart is burning within me. Why? Because I know the risen Savior. Because I know he's no longer dead, but he is alive. Because I know there's a bedrock bottom truth that says no matter what I go through, no matter what I experience, no matter where I'm at, my Savior lives. He is alive. This is hard for me. But the Lord told me this morning, you need to be very transparent and real with these people. So that's what I wanted to do on March 29th, two weeks ago tomorrow, I went in for surgery on my back. Met with a surgeon the week prior. He said we need to do two procedures. Do you want to do them one one at a time? I said no. Let's get it over. Here. Get it done. So they did a disectomy at L5 because, or excuse me, L4 and 5 because the pain and the numbness were so bad in my left leg I could hardly walk some mornings it would take me an hour and a half just to get it stretched out enough and calm down enough to be able to start the day pain was intense and real and then they did a laminectomy at L3 and L4 where they go in and actually cut out the bone where the arthritis is growing into my spine I've had five surgeries in the last two and a half years but this is what I knew I reckon the sufferings of this present day are not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. Romans 8.18, if you look it up. When into surgery, it's not a problem. I wasn't worried, no issues. But when I came out of that anesthesia, I was angry. I don't know why I've never had that response. I was angry. I was depressed. Normally I'm pretty happy and jovial. Response was very different this time. Yvonne noticed it immediately when I got back to the room. I just couldn't be cheered up. I even asked her, did we have a fight before I went in? I don't understand why I feel this way. And that feeling continued that day. Four o'clock, the day nurse gave me some pain medicine. I was due for more than four hours. Eight o'clock, no one had come. I start pushing the button. Finally respond, I said, I need some pain meds. Four times, I pushed the button. Three hours later, she finally came in. Remember, I'm angry. I'm depressed. And I'm very, very unhappy because of the pain I'm enduring at that moment probably snapped at her just a little bit. Maybe a lot, I don't know. Through the course of the night, we finally were able to mend that relationship and begin talking. She shared her heart with me of the things she was going through. She's a nurse, her husband was a deputy sheriff, life had been hard for him through the pandemic. But things improved. The care from that point forward was great. I came home from the hospital on Thursday, but I was still angry. I was still depressed, and I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't get through it. I couldn't get past it. Never been in a place like that in my entire life. Always been able to control my emotions. Just couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. And then the words that people had spoken to me prior to surgery that were meant to encourage me begin to come back and work as darts against me. They don't need you there. Don't worry about it. Easter will be fine without you. You don't need to be there. Heard that voice again and again and again. Yvonne came in about 8.30 Sunday morning last Sunday and said, You're going to go to church? I snapped at her and said, No, I'm not getting out of this bed. I was angry, depressed, no answers. Yvonne came home from church, told me what a great service she had. I'd watched part of it, but I didn't really care. I'm telling you the truth. She said, uh, Brandy and Grant want to bring supper and come over. Is that okay? I said, sure, I'd love to see Brandy and Grant. And I can't tell you what happened. I can just tell you. When they walked into our house, first Brandy put her arms around me and gave me a huge hug. And Grant did the same thing. And they're sitting right back there. And suddenly that spirit was broken. That anger was gone the depression left listen to me I was walking the Emmaus Road but I then experienced the risen Christ you say why are you telling us that because too many people think I've got it all together I'm the pastor I would never experience something like that oh I'm telling you it was real it was demonic it was horrible But today I stand before you and I say, I know my Redeemer lives. I know my Redeemer lives. Oh, I said, I know, I know, I know my Redeemer lives. And that's the hope that gets me up and keeps me going that's the hope that sees me through hard and difficult times that's the hope that lets me know it may be Saturday but Sunday's coming and when Sunday comes, the tomb, the stone is going to be rolled away. The Christ is going to step out. The Savior is going to say, I'm no longer dead. I am alive and I will be alive forevermore. Hallelujah. Oh, today, stand with me right here. Today, you're in this place and you say, Pastor, I need to experience the risen Savior I want my heart to burn within me as you have described in this message I'm gonna experience His power his glory his might falling on me removing my sin removing my past and giving me hope for the future if that's you right where you're at step out and come right now meet me right down here if that's you you're not gonna raise your hand or anything else but I know you're here i know you're online step out and come right now i'm going to pray with you i'm going to pray for you god's going to touch you come on there's others You need to respond to the Lord this morning. This is your day and your time to experience the risen Savior, for your heart to burn within you, for you to know and understand, I don't have to be the way I am. I'm not going to keep living this way. There is hope for me. There is direction for me. There is change in my future. And it starts today.
0: You made it to the end of the message, and now what? Is God leading you to make a change? Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? Then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sherer Road in Tallahassee, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 1030 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more.